Hello, my name is Eliana Martinez, and this is my podcast episode for the high school podcast. This episode is for my social issues project, and I've chosen to talk about conversion therapies, um, conversion camps, and the effects that really it has on queer youth and even adults that get involved, and just what the damage is, really. I really wanted to choose this topic because as a queer person living in Texas where these conversion therapies are completely legal, you know, um, I grew up kind of afraid, you know, um, I would hear the stories about it in the media, on the internet, I'd read them, and, you know, I was just, I was very afraid of them, so this is why it feels really personal to me. So the first topic I wanted to really start with is what is conversion therapy? What is it? I wrote out this description for a survey that I did on this topic and basically I wrote conversion therapy is the practice of attempting to change a person's sexual orientation or gender, gender identity through therapy. This practice is usually aimed towards queer youths although adults are known to be involved as well. It is said that therapy is not successful in any way, instead causing LGBTQ plus people who have gone through this therapy to be twice as likely to commit suicide in the end. Although many states have banned healthcare providers from offering or giving this therapy, it does not restrict religious figures from either. In some states, such as Texas, these therapies are still completely legal. Conversion therapy is discredited. It's not recognized as an actual form of therapy and it doesn't have any scientific basis or proof of any success in how it's intended to work. The next topic I wanted to kind of go over is the history of conversion therapy. Um, According to history.com, one of the first mentions of conversion therapy practices date back to 1899, the 19th century. I'm not sure how to say his name, but a German psychiatrist, his first name is Albert, I'm not sure how to say his last name, so sorry, he showed up at a hypnosis conference and he claimed that he turned a gay man straight. He was no longer gay, no more attraction to men at all. That's what he claimed. He said that it took 45 hypnosis sessions and multiple sessions at a brothel in order to convert the man. But in the end, it worked. This is one of the first really mentions of conversion therapies back all the way to 1899. Today, there's no actual proof that he did succeed, that that man was, and I, in air quotes, cured. As time went on and conversion therapy began to grow, many brutal methods of conversion began to be tested. Shock therapy, lobotomies, and even genital transplants. Once homosexuality became more accepted and conversion therapy was discredited as an actual therapy, more faith-based ex-gay ministries began to pop up. Talk therapy, conversion camps, exorcisms, and praying the gay away was well known in these faith-based conversion camps. A smaller topic I wanted to go into is actually conversion camps themselves. Just a basic overview, really. Conversion camps are more infamous 
a little bit more known than conversion therapy itself. Conversion camps are basically a place where a child or even an adult is sent to in order to be converted. Conversion camps really isolate the person so that they're forced to engage with the camp, with the practices, with the therapies that go on there really. There are a lot of horror stories really that come out of these camps, um, so many so that they are making a horror movie that takes place in a conversion camp. They slash them is a new movie coming out. So far it does have low ratings, but I'm not sure. I haven't seen it, honestly. For my next section, I want to move into the more modern aspect. How is it more present today and my survey results? How do a small group of students really feel about it today? So today, talk therapy is more common. Um, obviously, the more extreme kind of forms of this therapy were outlawed, banned. Aversion therapy, sexual assault, and shock therapy are all almost non-existent today. The method that is still legal, talk therapy, essentially it convinces the person that they are wrong. They are a mistake through conversations with a religious figure or a healthcare figure even. Once they're able to really convince the person that they're wrong, it causes a kind of hate within the person's self. So really, the therapy continues, even when they're at home, with their family, with their friends. They feel wrong. They feel like they don't belong. Like, they need to keep going back to this therapy so that they can be made right in order to fit in with their family, with their friends, their church, anybody really. Continuing with the more modern aspect, um, in the US there are actually 20 states where conversion therapy has been banned. California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, Vermont, Washington, Utah, and Virginia. All 20 of these states have actually banned them, plus 100 municipalities within the United States. In other places, conversion therapy is limited, as in healthcare providers or workers cannot administer this kind of therapy or even suggest it. On a kind of personal note that I had mentioned earlier, in Texas, it is completely legal for both healthcare providers and religious figures to administer and recommend conversion therapy or even conversion camps. Continuing with the modern aspect, for this project, I actually took a therapy survey on a small group of students. It was completely optional, completely anonymous, and no way were they forced to take it or anything like that. The first question is, are you part of the LGBTQ plus community? I got 57 said no, and 42.9 said yes, so it's almost a kind of even split in the middle. I forgot to mention that really with this, I I want to spread more awareness. I didn't say this earlier. I forgot, I should have, but essentially I think to kind of fix this issue, 
make it more normalized even to push for change we need to spread more awareness really for any social issue that needs to almost be like the first step more people need to know about this especially people that are going out and they're going to be voting soon a year two years three even four they need to know about these issues that really do affect people their age people younger than them people older than them so to kind of push that i asked do you know what conversion therapy is 71 percent said yes but 29 percent said no so after that i included an explanation of conversion therapy and it's the same explanation i read in the beginning of this episode more towards the beginning yeah my third question was have you ever felt afraid about being forced to attend conversion therapy um thankfully you know 78 percent said no but 21 percent did say yes i personally i didn't take this survey because it's mine i'm kind of administering it it felt a little unfair but i would have put yes honestly i grew up with that kind of hanging over my head and as i said over earlier i'm sorry that's kind of why i felt more drawn to this one i feel like i have a personal connection to it for my fourth and my final question on this survey it was only four questions it was kind of short i put are you more likely to vote for or against a law that would ban conversion therapies i'm sorry so i think i included this question because as i was saying earlier i would hope that through this awareness if one day there was to be a ban that people could vote for or against for the ban um i would hope more people would vote for the ban against conversion therapy if that makes sense so it kind of makes me happy but 100 percent said for a ban basically for my next topic i wanted to talk about an organization actually that pushes to end conversion therapies everywhere Born Perfect is an organization created by the National Center for Lesbian Rights in 2014. The main goal of Born Perfect, as I said, is to end conversion therapy everywhere, not just the U.S. Born Perfect was actually co-founded by a survivor of conversion therapy, Matthew Shirka. So far, according to their official website, they have helped, pushed, protested, to ban these therapies in 20 states and 85 cities in the US. When I was researching, I actually read a lot about Matthew Shirka, the co-founder of Born Perfect organization. When I was researching, I actually read a lot about Matthew um, and his story before he became the co-founder of Born Perfect and really just what he went through. Essentially, he came out to his father when he was 16 years old and his father comforted him. He said, it's okay, we're going to get through this. And Matthew, he was happy. He thought, he accepts me for who I am, you know? But actually, his father meant, we're gonna convert you. We're gonna get through this and we're gonna fix you. He began attending conversion therapy at his local ministry with a religious figure administering it. In the end, it didn't work. It never really did. 
like most, it never really does, but it still leaves its effects. He was left with depression, a lot of trauma from it too, you know, about his self-worth. And it took years to get over all of that, if you really can get over it, you know. Another person I want to talk about is John Polk. Essentially, he was a face for the ads of these conversion therapies when they were more popular. Him and his wife were advertised as ex-gays. They even had a child together. If it could work for them, why couldn't it work for everybody else? So he became really a face for it. But then years later, he was basically caught being, well, himself. He was gay. It didn't work in the end. He publicly apologized for any of the damage he might have caused towards queer youths and really pushing this therapy, even though he knew how harmful it could be for him and for everybody else. His wife continues to advertise, really stand by these conversion therapies, but he has really denounced all of it in the end. I really feel like these stories are important because it shows the effects really it can have on people. And John Polk, he went through this when he was older, but Matthew, he went through it when he was 16, 17. So these really can have lasting effects all the way into adulthood. That was my last segment that I really wanted to end off with. And I want to thank you for listening, for, for staying to the end, you know. I understand I'm not really the best talker. I was really awkward in this one. But, you know, as time goes on, maybe I'll get better. I hope I do. So, thank you for listening again. And that's it. Bye.